So the first week, Jeremy talked about how we're called to seek the kingdom, and really foundationally, um, that we get to first seek the kingdom of God and pursue that and know what it looks like to be people who want to honor and serve God with our lives rather than to pursue comfort or things of this world. And then last week, we talked about how we are called to preach the kingdom, that we're called to go out and proclaim boldly who God is, what he's done for us, and really the good news of Jesus and the hope that people can find in and through Christ alone. Um, We talked about Paul and the faithful life that he lived and the example that he lived where he suffered greatly. Um, He suffered greatly trying to serve and preach and proclaim the gospel. Um, And he didn't count this as a cost, but because of the surpassing worth that he had of knowing Christ, that he was willing to sacrifice greatly and preach the good news so that people could gain and know and see Christ. We in the same likeness are to proclaim the same good news, forsaking things of this world, forsaking our comfort, that God may be known and glorified. Now, as a church, we regularly use this for king and kingdom language. Um, and if we've talked about how we seek the kingdom, how we're called to preach the kingdom, um, today I really want to dive in and talk about how we're called to live the kingdom. And this obviously goes hand in hand in with preaching the kingdom, but specifically how we live our lives is that we live for God's kingdom and that we can live out his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We'll get into that here in just a moment. But as we talk about this, um, and we've talked about and we've said that we are called to live as Christians in both word and deed, I want to reiterate the preach the kingdom aspect of this and that these two ideas, that we preach the kingdom and we live the kingdom, absolutely go hand in hand together. These aren't necessarily separate things. Um, We can't just preach the kingdom and proclaim boldly and not live it out and show people love and and care and support and service, Uh, but we have to also preach and serve. And at the same time, we can't just love people by holding the door for them or being nice to some guy on the street or, or doing all these things out of love and service or, or trying to clean up a park or things like that and hope that people will just stumble across a Bible and stumble into Christ. That we both need to preach the kingdom and live the kingdom. These two have to be things that we do together. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are called to live the kingdom in both word and deed. I cannot read it enough that we both preach and live the kingdom, following all that we talked about last week. Again, we're going to dive into what it looks like to live the kingdom. Let's go ahead and pray, uh, and then we'll dive in a little bit further. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for all that you're doing here at Risen Hope. Um, we thank you again just for um, all of the volunteers who just love and, and serve and give up themselves to see um, this church um, glorify you and to see this church love and support the people who come and support um, the neighbors and the, the city and the, and the world around us, God. I pray that you continue to do that. But today I just pray that you would specifically speak to our hearts, God. Um, convict myself, convict us in this room on how we can live um, to show your love and your grace that we have received to others, God. Show us how to live lives that glorify you and love our neighbors, God. I pray that you would be with us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So notice saying that we should go out and we should live the kingdom, um, probably sounds good and, and, and makes sense in some sense, but how is that immediately applicable? How do we understand that? Um, so to look at what it looks like to live the kingdom, there's not really a better example to look at than to look towards Jesus and the life that he lived and the example that he gives us. Um, Jesus, when he began his ministry uh, in Mark 1, he immediately came out proclaiming the idea of his kingdom. Mark 1, 14 through 15 says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospels are full of moments and stories of Jesus showing us what it means to live the kingdom. One story that shows us so beautifully is that of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. We're going to go ahead and read John 13, uh, 5 through 17. Uh, The words will also be up on the screen here. Uh, John 13. 
says this. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on the outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is quite an incredible act of Jesus. Um, first off, looking really, really practically at this idea here, um, feet are gross. Feet are gross. We'll just, um, you can write that down in your notes today, kids. Um, feet are gross. Um, obviously, back then, um, they didn't have shoes like we do today, or some people choose to maybe still wear shoes like that, but for the most part, they don't have shoes like we do today, but people's feet would have been walking around on roads, again, not like we had today. Uh, feet would have been really dirty. Um, and it's not completely uncustomary for someone to wash someone's feet back in this time when they would come into their house and their feet would be dirty. Similar manner that we just have to take our shoes off today. And we have shoes and then socks and then our feet. So we get to cover those up, thankfully. But, uh, but uh, in this day and age, there would have been times where people would have came and had dirty feet. Now for someone to come in and have dirty feet and have their master, their teacher, be the one who serves them and washes their feet. Now that wouldn't have been as usual. But Jesus gives this incredible example of someone of doing something that was not needed of him and serving those that he was in some ways over and had authority over. Um, he humbles himself to serve them. And of course, the disciples don't really know how to understand this. In the same way, when we serve people, um, there can be two responses a lot of times when you're serving someone. It's, no, 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 I don't need it, I don't need it. When in reality, you know, maybe they do, and you're humbling yourself and you're trying to help them. Or at the same time, like, no, 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 I need more. Come on, give me some more, give me some more. And we see both of those sides from Peter, where he goes, no, 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 you're, you can't do this. And then Jesus tries to explain it to somebody. He goes, oh, well, just watch my whole body then. Um, and it's a funny picture, and we see that same thing when we try to serve some people and, uh, and, and live out this kind of experience similar to what Jesus did. But he sets this great example and shares the heart at which he does this. What I love in this passage is not only do we have this act of service and him explaining it some, but afterwards he shares a little bit more into this. And there's a lot of imagery in here that we won't get into today about ultimately the cleansing that would come through Christ's um, blood when he would give of his life. Um, but in this imagery, we have this beautiful picture. And I love the breakdown of this passage where he first serves them, but then at the same time, after he serves them, he has an opportunity to speak to them and explain how, um, how this service would represent what it means to serve and how that you can serve people who are above you or below you or, or whatever that looks like and really just showing um, a, a, man, a manner of humility to his people. This shows us how to live the kingdom in this passage um, and that we are served in a manner that humbles ourselves. As Jesus proclaimed in Mark ten forty five, for even the Son of Man came, not to be served, um, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We serve those that are lesser than us and that we are in authority over, as well as those that are above us. Living the king and kingdom is seeing no partiality. When we live for king and kingdom, we see no partiality, but we seek to love and serve any who have need, not looking to gain from people, but rather looking at what we can give 
to people that we serve. Not only does Jesus model service for us, but he shows us that out of our service, we have an opportunity to share the heart by which we serve. Really this idea of both living the kingdom and preaching the kingdom, that after he served them and did this, he gives them an example and talks about, I'm showing you a way in which you can live, and I'm doing this as a heart to understand that. And that when we live the kingdom, we have an opportunity through the way that we live the kingdom to share our story or share what God's doing in our lives or, or simply to share who God is and what he's done. Living the kingdom gives us opportunities to preach the kingdom. Preaching the kingdom should lead, again, to opportunities to live it, and living should give opportunities to preach it. And this story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is one of many stories that we have of Jesus showing us what it looks like to live the kingdom. Again, looking at the scripture and looking at the gospels, over and over again, we can see an image, an example of Jesus and how we should live. Um, and again, it shows him showing no partiality in the way that he serves. Uh, there are stories where Jesus heals a leper, he heals a paralytic, he heals a blind man. He stands up for a woman who had committed adultery. Um, he shares the story of the prodigal son who uh, really forsakes his father, abandons him, takes things from his father, goes away, lives this horrible life. And then when he comes back, he shows us this great love of the father and shows us, one, how we are to love and serve people. And at the same time, ultimately, how God loves us and cares for us as a father. He shows us the, go- the story of the Good Samaritan, probably one of the most applicable stories to us in this day and age, where people are in need and people are, are out on the street and they're hurting and they're in pain, and people walk right by them. They don't do anything for them, and he gives us a better way to live, a good Samaritan way to live, in which we care for, and we see, and we recognize someone for value that they have, regardless of their situation. Um, and then throughout the Gospels, there's just stories, and there's passages where it just says that Jesus heals many, that there was great crowds around Jesus, and as many who could come to him would be healed. Um, as many as came to him would have demons cast out. Jesus heals many throughout the Gospels, and he does this in a way that doesn't show partiality. Again, um, when Jesus said, it says that all that came to him were healed, it doesn't have a circumstance or a situation that was required of them. Jesus heals people that would walk away from him. Jesus heals people that would not come to believe in him. Jesus heals people and loves and serves people who did not know him and may have never knew him. But he does that out of love, showing no partiality. Jesus continually shows us what it looks like to live the kingdom. That we serve those on the margins and stand up for those that are hurting, those that are afflicted, and those that are in need. We do all this out of love and service to God and an opportunity to show and share the love of God. Uh, Jesus responded to the Pharisees in Matthew 22 when they're trying to ask him, well, what's the greatest commandment? He says in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That literally all that we have in this book, all that we have from God, could in some way, and obviously this helps give us more context to it and understand it, and we do need to know more than just this, but we can sum up the law and the prophets and all that God wants his people to do, and this idea that we would love God, and that we would love people, that we love our neighbor, that we would love people who do not know him, or people who do know him, who are in need, that we would love him and love others. Now it can be easy to look at the life of Jesus and think this is how we are to live, and that's a great example, and Jesus does an awesome job of this, but I'm not Jesus. We're not Jesus. So, like, I'm supposed to do the same thing that Jesus did? Um, And the short answer is yes. Um, But at the same time, we can look at the Bible and see stories full of people living and serving by faith, by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, like Jesus. And we, too, can live out a kingdom and provide a glimpse of who Christ is and how we live and serve. And this is exactly what Jesus is calling us to do. Let's look at Acts 1, 6 through 8. Here Jesus has resurrected and appeared to his disciples and is about to ascend to heaven and to be with God the Father. 
there's a great crowd around him, um, and in Acts 1, says this. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I love this passage. Um, I think it shows a really interesting picture here. Um, so these people are, obviously Jesus has resurrected. He has really paid for the sin of all humanity. Um, and his believers and people surrounding him are thinking, now this is the time. You're just going to get rid of all the bad things. He's going to restore the kingdom here and now. Jesus is back. We're going to win. We're going to win this victory over sin and death, and we're going to have eternal life through him. And they ask him, is this going to happen now? And this won't be the best exegesis of this passage, but it's simply, in a way of looking at this, in the way that I kind of laughed as I was reading this this week, is they essentially ask Jesus, is the kingdom come now? And he basically tells them, actually, you're going to be patient, you're going to start the process, and I'm going to leave. Um, now, can you imagine asking that question and not probably getting the response that you want? Like, okay, now are you going to restore the kingdom? And he goes, actually, you're going to do it. You're going to start this process. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then he says this, and then in verse 9, we see that he ascends back to the heaven. I don't know about you, but if I was there in that moment, I'd been like, wow, we asked that question, and that, that did not go as we expected. Um, now, we're supposed to do this. And obviously, how do they do this? By the power of the Holy Spirit. That as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we get to go out and live the kingdom of God. Jesus lets them know that the Spirit of God would come to them and empower them to be his witnesses. And that's exactly what we see in the scriptures, and that's what the history of the church tells us and shows us. And that's what brings us today to gathering in this school. As, as a people of God, his witnesses have gone out. They have preached, and they have loved, and they have served, and now we are here. And if this didn't work, we wouldn't be here. If this didn't work, we wouldn't be here. If the Holy Spirit wasn't working in the lives of people, empowering them to love and serve and preach the gospel, we wouldn't be here. But God is working through in, and in people to preach the kingdom, to live the kingdom, to show his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So the question to ask and, and think about maybe is, who's qualified to live the kingdom then? How do, we, how do we do this? Or who's good enough to do this? And the answer is all Christians. That all who have known Jesus, who trust in Jesus, are called to do this. They are called to do this in both the here and in the now. That in whatever season you're in, you're called to serve and love and to preach and share the kingdom. It's not for varsity level or experienced or mature Christians, but that anyone who's put their faith in Jesus is called to be a witness to him and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life that shows and lives out the kingdom of God. Those that know and love Jesus are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and are sent by Jesus to share and proclaim the same love and hope that he has shown them. Let's consider the prophet Isaiah and his experience with God and being sent by God. Uh, I'm going to read Isaiah, 1, or Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. And this passage says, in the, king that, in, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe was filled, and, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, 
your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah speaking here, Here I am, send me. Isaiah shares this incredible vision and this incredible experience that he had with God. He sees God high and lifted up. He sees God face to face in this vision. And it's in a place that is so holy that there's these heavenly beings proclaiming the holiness of God. And he's saying here and explaining here that, that all of that God was felt filled all of the heavens and the earth. This eternal God, this incredible God, was showing incredible glory. And everything in his presence could not help but say, glory to him, holy is he. And at the same time, Isaiah saw this holiness, and he wasn't yet at a place where he could proclaim the same thing, but rather proclaimed who he was. And he said, I'm lost. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I come from an unclean people. And God responds with the gospel, really, here to Isaiah. He's, he responds with grace and mercy by the, the heavenly being flying to Isaiah. And just as he spoke and said, I have unclean lips, a burning coal is raised to his lips, and it said that his sin... Um, is taken away, and that he's shown grace and he's shown mercy. And in the same way, in the same manner that us as people, we are lost. We're unclean. Um, and that really baptism is our picture of this same moment and the same experience that Isaiah had. And that when we come to know Christ and we see him and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we in the picture of baptism, we're not just the people of unclean lips. We are people that are just completely unclean. And this picture of baptism is that all of us, all of us, every part of us, just as Isaiah's mouth was washed away, with that burning coal, we are washed away by the blood of Jesus, that all of us would be redeemed. And this picture where Isaiah is redeemed, immediately following this, God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah doesn't kind of like step back, like, well, you know, I just figured this thing out. So like, there's this guy I know, my neighbor, he's been studying the Pentateuch for like a long time. So like, he could do it. Or like, you know, I know this other guy, like, he says, his only response to what God has done for him, his only response to knowing and seeing God and this experience that he had was that, send me, God. That this love, that this mercy, that this grace that I have seen and I have received, like, I, I have to go and share this. I have to do this. And when we see this, when we have this experience with God, that we are called to do the same, just as Isaiah. Jesus does not call the equipped, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, he equips all that he has called out of darkness into his mar marvelous light. We are called in the here and now to seek and preach and live the kingdom of God. This is important, and I use the example of Isaiah because we often put up conditions to, or excuses, or, or reasons why, you know, maybe we can't do this right now. Um, I'm not mature enough in my faith. And obviously there's certain circumstances and things that, you know, there's reason to bring other people around you to love and serve people that maybe can help share in ways or answer questions that you may not be able to. Uh, but when you come to know and see Jesus, you are in a place of your faith where you can share what you know, what you've experienced, what you have in him. Maybe it's like, ah, you know, really practical excuses. Like, I don't plan on working this job very long, so, like, I don't want to try to, like, gain relationships with my coworkers and then just leave them. Like, that might actually be a bad picture of Christ. Um, no, God has you there for a reason, and you can do that now. Or at the same time, like, ah, oh, you know, we're not going to live in this house. We're just renting. Like, I don't really want to get to know my neighbors. You know, uh, you know, once some more permanent, maybe we can find a way. Or, or maybe it's just season of life. Um, and I haven't gone through maybe as many seasons of life as some of us here. Um, but I can say that I've seen people use this excuse in every season of their life. Um, that when I'm single, it's like, well, you know, no one's going to take me seriously. Like, I don't know as much. I don't have as much maturity. I definitely can't speak in the lives of people who are a life stage ahead of me. Um, but then that goes into like, well, I'm just a young married couple. Like, I don't know what it's like to have kids. Like, I don't know people's situations. Like, 
I'm not ready to do that. And then it's like, I have kids. Are you kidding me? I can't do anything. I can barely breathe. Um, and, then, and then you're like, but maybe when they're a little older, and you're like, maybe it'll be easier then. And then you have teenagers, and you're like, it's not easier. Um, I don't know that, but I was a horrible teenager, so I know that. Um, none of you knew me then, so by the grace of God, that has changed. Um, good luck with your parents who are getting some teenagers, or already have teenagers. Anyway, uh, we come up with these excuses, and then by the time the kids are gone, you're just like old and sore and tired. So, um, you know, like, there's always an excuse in season. I know I shouldn't be saying that, but um, we come up with these excuses. We always talk about our season of life not being ready or not being there. Um, and that's not what God's calling us to do. God is calling us in the here and now, regardless of our season or circumstance, to go and preach and live the kingdom, to go and live and preach the gospel. Who would be a better person to share the love of Christ, the good news of what he has done, with the people around you than you? Give me a better person. Give me a better person to share the love of Christ and the gospel of Christ to the people that you see each and every day than you. That's a hard question to answer. That is a really hard question to answer. And maybe, just possibly, that the God of the universe, the God who is sovereign over all of creation, the God who by his being sustains and upholds this entire universe, has put you in your neighborhood for a reason. Maybe he's put you in your workplace for a reason. Maybe he has you in your family or where you are for a reason. I think maybe, probably, definitely, the God of the universe, the God who sustains all things, has done this for a reason. For most of us, this is our mission field. This is where we are called to live the kingdom. Too often we think that living this way, living the kingdom, has to be something radical and new. First off, living this way would be radical. Living this way would be far different than how everyone else in this world lives their life Living this way would be far different than probably how a lot of us maybe live our lives most of the time today. Living this way would definitely be different than how this world proceeds, proceeds to live their life. Secondly, we do sometimes need to do new things. Sometimes there are things in our life that we need to get rid of or stop doing or do less of that isn't beneficial or fruitful and give that time to God. Give that time to opportunity in which we can preach the gospel and time where we can live the gospel and show people what that is. But thirdly and most importantly, for most of us, we aren't called to go plant a new church. We aren't called to launch a ministry. We aren't planning to move to India. We are called to preach and live the kingdom exactly where God has us. This isn't as much about doing more in your life, but rather doing what you already do intentionally for and by the kingdom of God and for your king. This is exactly what we see in Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father and through him. It doesn't say if you do anything or, or when you're doing specific types of things, um, but rather in that all that we speak and all that we do, we do this for the name of Jesus, that, we have, that, we, that he may be known and glorified and that the people would find hope, life, freedom, and salvation in Christ through him. As 1 Peter 4.11 says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There is much opportunity for this. And some of this is just starting conversations and living a little bit differently in the things that you already do. Some of this is just intentionally inviting people to share life with you in moments. Um, maybe that's when you go and walk to get a coffee at work, inviting someone to go with you and just saying like, hey, what's going on in your life? What's happening? And talking about something a little bit different from work. Maybe this is just hosting a neighborhood party this summer and having people over and, and sharing burgers and hot dogs. People, well, maybe not in Kirkland unless it's gluten-free, but for the most part, people are willing to just eat food with you and share life with you. Um, just make sure you have gluten-free buns. Um, You've got to contextualize your ministry. Kirkland is a very specific, needy place. Um, I will eat all the gluten. Anyway, host a neighborhood party, host people 
uh, this summer. Um, maybe as you gather as your group, maybe invite a lot of people to do this with you. Maybe as your group, rather than just huddling up in someone's house or backyard, you open up that backyard. You share maybe an opportunity to watch a movie together on a projector or a screen or, or have that barbecue together. Maybe you invite your neighbors to come play sports with you. Maybe you do it at 9.30 a.m. across the street on Saturday mornings. I don't know. That could work. Um, I heard some people are trying to do that. Um, this is stopping to talk to the guy on the street that no one shows value each and every day and pass by him. And just buying him lunch or showing him some value and dignity or maybe hearing his story and giving some time and sacrificing of yourself um, that he might feel loved and served and maybe even an opportunity to speak life into him. This is sacrificing self for the sake of others. Just as we talked about last week, that preaching the kingdom is worth it no matter the cost, so is living the kingdom. And that this too is done sacrificially hand in hand with preaching the kingdom in which we do this in a way that honors God it will require sacrifice, but it is so worth it for the surpassing worth that we have of Christ in all that he has done for us. We are to serve, love, and give of ourselves in the same manner that Christ did. 1 John 3, 16-18 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now, I know right there at the end that sounds almost a little bit contradictory to what I've said. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And this is just showing us that these two things have to go hand in hand. That we can't just talk about it, but we have to put action to this, and that's where we live the kingdom. And this ultimately costs Jesus his life. In the same manner, we're supposed to lay down our lives and sacrifice greatly in how we live, that people may see the kingdom and find life that is only available in and through Christ. I know I said this at the beginning, but I want to reiterate that yes, we are to live, live this way and be selfless and loving, but we too must preach the kingdom and use opportunities in which we love and serve to share about the heart behind this and share about the kingdom and the king who we've experienced in a very similar manner to Isaiah's experience in the cleansing that we've received and the forgiveness that we've received. As it says in Romans 10, 14 through 17, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I love this passage here because it talks all about preaching and proclaiming and talking. And then it talks about how beautiful the feet are from that. And very naturally, thinking is that when you would talk and when you would share and when you would proclaim something, that wouldn't really affect your feet. Like you wouldn't think it would affect your feet. And I think this picture shows so perfectly how these things in both word and deed come together. That when we are preaching the kingdom, that when we are preaching the gospel, that that will affect our feet. That we are not just called to preach and proclaim and sit up on or, or have a high horse where we just say, this is how it is, and this is how things are supposed to be. But we do this lovingly. We do this sacrificially. We do this serving others. And that as we go to preach the kingdom, that our feet will be actually not so beautiful. It's kind of the point of this, is that they go out, and they're going to be dirty, like the feet that Jesus cleaned. They're going to be going out, and they're going to be constantly serving people and putting miles on their feet to love and serve and give back to others. And really, in a lot of ways, we're like Isaiah. Um, we are... Lost. We are unclean people. Um, but in the same way, for, for, um, for us in this room, we have seen the King. We have seen the glory of God and who He is and what He has done in our lives. And in the same way, we may not feel completely ready all the time. We may not feel like we're up to it. We may not feel like we're good enough. Um, God is asking us, whom shall He send? And Jesus, 
doesn't really give you a chance to respond. He actually goes and commands us to go and be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. So we're called, just like Isaiah, to go. And God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, by the building up of his church and community around us, empowers us to go and love and serve. Let us all live the kingdom. And as we live, let us share our stories of what Christ has done. Let us speak of the life that is available only in and through Christ. And let us, the previously hopeless, now by the Spirit of God, live as ambassadors of hope wherever we go and in whatever we do. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. God, this is a, this is a hard and difficult call um, in our lives, God. And um, as I said earlier, we, we are not equipped. We are not good enough to do this. We are not Jesus. Um, but God, when we are weak, you are strong. Uh, God, when we don't feel worthy, you are so worthy, God. And when we live um, the kingdom, and when we preach the kingdom, and we love and we serve and we give back to people, God, we need your spirit, and you are so faithful to provide that, God. Let us walk boldly, let us talk boldly by the power of your Holy Spirit to love people just as you've loved us, God. To show people the love that they can ultimately have in and through you, God. Give us opportunities to, to just practically live the kingdom, God. To preach the kingdom and speak life into what people have had. Give us opportunities to share our story, God. That we may not want to just go up to people and recite John 3.16, but give us opportunities where we can just share who you are and what you've done and what that means for our lives, God. Um, God, I pray that we would just live radically different than the people of this world uh, and, and radically different than many people in, in your church do, God. Um, help us to seek to live out your kingdom. Help us to first and foremost always seek to know you and understand you and to see you face to face, God. And as we do that, empower us to preach your kingdom and to live your kingdom, God. We might see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you again for today. I pray that you would bless us as we go. Bless us to have conversations about how we can do this together and how we can do this in our homes, in our families, and in our workplaces, God. In Jesus' name, amen.